0: Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to begin in verse 1 and read down to 11. I'm reading out the New King James Version. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed, crying, saying, cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. See, this morning, I want to look at two of the triumphant entries into Jerusalem of Jesus. And Sometimes we just think about the first one, and that's the one we're celebrating today. And we're going to talk about that. But also, the Bible tells us that there was two entries of our Lord into Jerusalem. And both of these are going to be triumphant. See, if we embrace Jesus' first entry, which we are celebrating now, Palm Sunday, then we're going to be able to stand righteous when he comes back the second time. Amen? Amen? See, we're going to focus mostly on the first triumphant entry, But I have to warn you again, your eternal destiny at the time of his second entry is going to depend on how you respond to his first entry. Everything boils to that. Because without the right response on this day, you may not see the second one. And as we read the description of his first triumphant entry into Jerusalem in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus went into the city five days later... He would be crucified on a cross. The same crowd that shouted praises and they were shouting, Crucify by the end of the week. See, when we receive Christ, I don't know if you remember the day you got saved. See, I remember the day I got saved. I was a heroin addict for many years. I was all tore up. I drugged myself to the altar. And Jesus came into my life. I received him as my Lord and Savior. It was the happiest day Of my life. The second was my wife. Amen. But that was the most joyful day of my life because I understood that I am somebody in Christ, that Christ died for me. If I was the only one on earth, Christ would have died for me. And when I received the sacrifice that he did, I was joyful. Do you remember where you were at? Do you remember how you came? If you haven't came to him yet, you're going to have an opportunity. But when you came the first time, many of you, you understand what I'm talking about because it was the most joyous day. I'm not saying the heavens opened up and I saw Jesus. No, but there was a load lifted off of my life. And I knew that there was a change. There was something different. I had something to live for now. Amen? But the thing is, as people, when things don't go the way we expect, when we begin to have tragedy in our life, there's a problem with our children, there's sickness, there's disease. All of a sudden, we begin to shout, crucify him. Maybe not verbally, but sometimes in our hearts. We blame God for things that don't go right within our life. We're just like the first ones. Oh, Hosanna, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm saved. I just lost my job. Oh, God, what are you doing? And we get upset with God. We want to blame God for everything. I'm the only one, huh? (laughs) See, when Jesus rode into the city that first time, he was sitting on a donkey. Donkey! (laughs) Donkey, get over here! (laughs) See, he made his first triumphant entry, not as a king, but as a servant. As a servant who would give his life on the cross. Even though his name is Yahweh, and the Yah stands for God who rides on the heavens. In other words, God is not bound by space or time. He always was, always is. He created everything. Everything was created for him and with him. Yah. Rides on the heavens. Here he comes on a donkey. Donkey. <laughs> I said it because my daughter likes it. Amen. See, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. He gave up everything in heaven. He gave up being with his Father. See, sometimes we don't understand the sacrifice he made just by coming to earth alone, let alone the cross. But just by leaving his heavenly Father, and all his creation, all the universes that are created, that we have no idea about, and we won't until that day. But if we take it lightly, what he really did, Emmanuel, God with us. Keep in mind, and we're going to read from Revelation about his second triumphant entry. See, he's the same king coming again to the same spot on the earth, but but this second entry is going to be much different than the first. If you have Revelation 19, we're going to begin to read from verse 11. Now I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. How many know he's faithful and true? Amen. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Well, that's a totally different scenario from the way he came to make peace. But now he's going to make war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepresses Of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a contrast between the first entry and the second. See, at Jerusalem, the second entry, he's going to reign on earth for a thousand years. He's going to come over and take over. The devil knows where he's going. Jesus is going to come and he's going to rule, he's going to take over. He's going to be calling shots. And he's not going to be doing it like a servant. He's going to be striking people down. People are going to die in this thing. Not me, the word of God. See, the prophet Zechariah writes that he will return to set his feet upon the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14.4. When he said set his feet, it's Ahmad in the... uh, Hebrew language it means not only to stand but it means to establish see that's when he's going to come and he's going to establish his reign for a thousand years see but I believe he wants to begin to establish his kingdom with you and I here and now because we are called to bring heaven to earth we are called to make a change in people's lives that's why it'd be good to go out with brother Eric there's your plug bro six o'clock this evening and let's win some souls for God's honor and God's glory. Because we are called to establish and grow the kingdom now, not wait. See, if you read Zechariah 14, we're going to go there right now, 16 and 17. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king. This is when he's got his kingdom established here on earth. And the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacle. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If they don't come and they give glory to Jesus Christ when he's reigning a thousand years, they're not going to have any rain for their crops. They're going to be in a drought, not only physically, but spiritually. Are you catching this thing? See, everyone left on the earth that was not killed are going to get saved. They're going to become believers. They're going to come. Let me tell you something. There's going to be revival out of tribulation. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to bring a revival out of our tribulation. Because why do you think we've been going through so much stuff as a ministry? We're getting hit left and right. It was Debbie, it was me, it's John, it's it's Chela. It's everybody's getting hit. You can probably raise your hand, I got hit too. Everybody got hit. So what's happening here? Because God wants to bring revival out of our tribulation. See, we're nearing the time when Jesus is going to come back. I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, but I know he's coming. All I know, the Bible tells me soon. So I'm believing soon. You see, if you look at prophecy, everything's being set up right now. Boom, 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 boom. The last thing is the temple will be returned to, return to the Jews. Well, that's already in the works. Yeah. Our President Trump wants to start our next embassy in Jerusalem. He wants to take it out and put it in Jerusalem. What does that tell you? Holy Ghost set up. Holy Ghost set up. He might not even know what he's doing, but God does. God does. He's setting the stage because the Bible says that animal sacrifices will return to the temple before Jesus comes again. you know all the utensils are already made? They've had them made for 20, 30 years already, waiting for the time. And as soon as that gets established, boom, are you going to be Ready? The Bible said everyone left on the face of the earth will come together yearly for the Feast of Tabernacles. See, that means they bring their first fruits to show their worship and their gratefulness to Jesus Christ. Whoever doesn't do that and celebrate before the Lord, the rain stops, the blessings stop. How many of you want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. See, that's why we bring our first fruits with a heart of gratitude as worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, when we come and we bring our first fruit and we say, "Lord, this is yours," and we bow before the King, let me tell you, you're going to live a blessed life. You're going to have a blessed life. See, some Christians, man, they miss that. They miss the blessing, and they're always stressed out. They're always going through stuff because they miss the giving God the first fruits. It shows our gratefulness to God, our trust in the Lord. Are you with me? See, when you give God your first fruit, you're saying, I trust you for the second and the third fruit. Especially when you don't have any fruit showing. Hello. That really takes trust. I don't know about you, but I don't want my rain to stop. Remember, it's not the amount, it's the heart. It's the heart. See, Yah, who rides upon the heavens, not bound by space or time. See, that first entry was on a donkey, a symbol of gentleness and peace, but the second will be on a white stallion of a warrior. He's coming as a warrior. He rides upon the heavens. He's not going to be bound. He's not going to be bound. See, the first entry was to make atonement for our sins. But the second entry will be to judge and to make war, to make battle. Are you with me? See, he wore no crowns on the first entry. But on his second, the Bible says he'll have many crowns. At his first entry, the clothes of the crowd were thrown in front of him. But the second, he will wear a robe that's covered in blood. Crowds of humble people went in front of him and behind him at the first entry. But the second, he will lead the armies of heaven. See, you can be in that army. You can be in that army depending on the decision you make today. I want to be in that army. I want to get down with Jesus. Because you can't lose. What are you going to do to a glorified body? Remember, this is after the rapture. We're going to get rapture. us, Get in the army, baby. Hey. I don't care if I'm on a donkey then. It don't matter. You know, Pastor Steve, you say, you know how you tell a good donkey? No hair on the back. Hello. we are you laughing at? Some of you guys got it too. <laughs> You're just in denial. Got comb-overs and all this stuff. Forget about it. See, your decision on the first entry will determine your position on the second. See, he came to his own people that first time to be crucified. But he'll come the second time to strike the nations and rule with a rod of iron. When he came that first time into the city, they announced him as Jesus, From that insignificant town of Nazareth. But when he comes a second time, he will be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. His name will be the word of God. The Bible says at his second coming, every eye will see him, even though, even they who pierced him, Revelation 1-7. Everyone here today will see him on that day. You'll see him, and I'll see him. Every eye, living or dead, sinner or saint, everybody's going to see him. Every atheist will see him. Every atheist will be a believer. Because they're going to bow down just like everybody else. You guys catching something here? It's better to bow down before that time. See, our eternal destiny at the time of the second triumphant entry depends on our response to the sacrifice he made on the cross. What is our response? Matthew 7, 21 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Have we responded to the cross with obedience? That's the key, my friend. It's being obedient. You remember throughout Scripture in the New Testament, Jesus saved those who were obedient. Not those that said a prayer. Those who were obedient to the will and the calling that God has for your life. Whatever it is. Some of you are called to go across the nation. Some of you are called to go across the world. Some of you are called to be a pillar in this church. Whatever it is. Whatever God has called you to do, be faithful to the high calling that God has given you. That's obedience. You can say you believe in bathing, but if you don't do it, well, I believe baths are good. boy well, why are you stinking? Because you ain't taking a bath. Oh, well, I believe in Christ, Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what he said. You're not doing what he asked of you. It's very important we get this in our spirit. It's about being obedient. How can you say you believe but you don't obey? Let me tell you something. Some people are going to get all tripped out here. Sin does not send you to hell. Disobedience does. Jesus died for our sin. He took away our sin on the cross. That doesn't send you to hell. It's disobedience to the heavenly calling that God has given you. Ooh. Write that down. Tattoo it on your arm so you don't forget. Do what you got to do. It's not sin. He died for our sin. Past, present, and future. Once and for all. We don't need to make sacrifices anymore. He was the final sacrifice. It's obedience. See, following the will of God is speaking of obedience to his purpose within our life. See, that's why we can't take his sacrifice lightly. We can't just take it lightly. Like, oh, okay, some, some, some old dude died a long time ago. Went on a cross, oh yeah, okay. No. Did it for you and I. How many seen the passion of the Christ? It was pretty brutal what they did, how they beat him, huh? But you know, that wasn't really accurate. They beat him worse than that? A lot worse than that. And Isaiah talks about by his stripes we are healed. If you look in the Hebrew language, that stripe is singular. In other words, they took all the skin off his back. And he still carried the cross for you and I. They beat him. He was naked. He didn't have a little thing on. No. They they humiliated him. Plucked out his beard. Punched his face. He was unrecognizable. He did that for you and I. And we're going to take that lightly? No. No, We can't. See, this morning, we remember that sacrifice together. I want to look at four things quickly as we look at the first triumphant entry. That was my opening. Short content, big opening. Amen. Amen. Number one, the preparation for his entry. Matthew tells us in verse 1, where we read, Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. Now, I want you to get this in your spirit here. The greatest events in history happened in a very small part or portion of the earth, okay? Jesus cleansed the tape, temple. He went in there, turned over the tables, said this is my, ho- my father's house, a house of prayer, right? He taught in the temple. He was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was tried, beaten, crucified at Calvary, buried and resurrected and even ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And one day he's going to return his feet to the same exact location. With all these earth-shaking events, it happened in an area less than one mile. Less than one mile. Everything that happened right there, boom. Even the, the only significant thing about that little village of Bethpage, and I, I mean, if we didn't hear this in this part, portion of scripture, we wouldn't even know where it's at. It was a tiny village. Was that's where he got the Donkeys. That's where he sent his disciples to get the donkeys. Even the name Bethpage is very insignificant. It means house of unripened figs. Who wants an unripened fig? That is like the worst name of a city I've ever heard. Amen? Besides Fresno. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. If you're from Fresno, I love you. If you're listening to the podcast, I love you too. It was just a joke because it's so hot. But God's hand was at work in this very insignificant place. He was preparing for prophecy to be fulfilled. See, God chooses insignificant to make generational shifts. I hope you catch that. He chooses to use insignificant to make generational shifts in spiritual things. That's why he chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things, to shame, the strong. Because he takes insignificant people like you and I and gives us the opportunity to go out into the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Insignificant people. We weren't smart. Only a couple people and you're really not because you think you are. You're just prideful. Amen. We don't have degrees and doctorates and all that. Except for maybe Paul. I don't know. When Jesus came to earth, who did he go after? Did he go to the Pharisees, the Sadducees? Did he go in the temple to find his guys? No. No. He went where they were cussing and drinking and partying. Where they are doing crazy stuff. Just like when he found you and I. He went to the worst place he could find. They say, hey, let me get these guys. Because they know they're tore There's no disputing that. When God came into our lives, we were nothing. We know we were nothing. We know without God we're nothing. We can do nothing without God. We already understand that. Amen? He chose the foolish things. See, first we notice the disciples did not have to look for the animals. Did you see that? He already had them ready, had them prepared. He's saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Seeing the animals, like Jesus said, must have given the disciples confidence to steal them. Because really, that's kind of what they did. They were boosting some you know, vehicles at the time. <laughs> don't go steal a car and say, Jesus told me to. Okay, don't do that. But that's what they did. They were boosting. So they took them. But let me tell you something about being obedient to Christ. It builds confidence in your life. Whenever you're obedient to the call of God, when God says, I'm going to send you someplace like, I'll give you an example of my own life. When I went to the Philippines, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I brought toilet paper because, yeah, who knows? I thought I was going to be with the monkeys or something. I had no idea. I had no idea. But I knew God spoke to my heart. I am sending you here. So I went. And I ended up staying for 18 years because... That's what God told me to do. It builds confidence in your life. But when you're disobedient to the call of God, the opposite begins to happen. And you lose your confidence. You lose your courage. And you're afraid. That's what happens when we sin. Because we miss the mark of God. And all of a sudden, we used to have that boldness, but we're, we're doing our little secret sin, and all of a sudden we find out, ah, I'm afraid to go tell somebody about Jesus because they sin in my life. And believe me, you get around some demon-possessed people, they're going to pull your covers. I remember we were casting a devil out a few years back, and the guy that was with us, he had secret sin. And all of a sudden, the devil looked at him and said, I know what you're doing. And he began to voice what the guy was doing. Because I could tell when he started praying in tongues, he was going yabba dabba And as soon as I heard yabba dabba I said, here's Fred Flintstone, we're out of it. <laughs> we're done. So I say, hey, go outside, man. The devil's gonna jump in you. Get out of here. But we, we she got delivered, she's delivered to this day. So if you're ever praying with somebody you hear yabba dabba do, tell them to go with Barney Rubble. Tell them, get out of here. We got business to take care of. See, the second, we see that they were allowed to take the animals. Verse 3, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. There must have been some kind of arrangement. I don't know what it was, but there had to be something going on there between Jesus and the guys that owned, whoever owned the donkeys. If you don't believe me, try breaking into somebody's car, and the owner of the car comes out and say, well, the Lord has need of it, and see if they give you the keys, But that's what Luke in his gospel tells us happened. See, Matthew tells us that this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And he quotes from Zechariah 9.9. 400 years before Jesus came, Israel was told this by the prophet. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Don't get See, it was declared that it would happen a specific way 400 years prior to it happening. That was the setup. See, my question to you is, have, has God given you a promise? See, if God gives you a promise, it's yes and amen. He may not come when you think it's gonna come. He may not come on your calendar Or your timetable. But it will come because God is faithful and true. If he gives you a promise, it will happen. He doesn't lie. Secondly, the manner of his entry. We're going to move quick. Matthew tells us, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them in verse 6. Isn't that a great verse? It's a great memory verse. But it's even a better one to apply within your life. He did, they did what he commanded them. See, I can't help but think that the disciples were probably tripping as they brought those animals to Jesus because everything happened as he said. They took the donkeys, the guy said, Go ahead, no problem, here's the keys. They found the animals and immediately were allowed to take them. See, when you say what God says to say, he moves. Sometimes when when we're not attentive to the voice of God, we we say things out out of line. But when we listen for the voice of God and God says, I want you to minister to this person, I want you to say this to this person, there's an eternal difference that's about to shift, a generational shift. Within our life. Because when God says something, you gotta act. You gotta be obedient. You gotta move. Sometimes it's strange. God will tell us to do strange things. But that's how He moves. God doesn't think like we think. See, Matthew goes on to say they brought the donkey and the colt, they laid their clothes on him and set him on it. Did you know that a king riding on a donkey was a symbol of peace? See, if a, kid rode in, uh, a king rode into the town on a stallion, there would be reason to get worried because you know you've got to fight on your hands. You're going to have to fight. But he came to bring peace between God and man through his sacrifice on the cross. That's why he rode the donkey. See, this is the last week of life, and it was culminating the way God intended it. Because he came to bring peace between us and God. That's what the cross is all about. To bring that peace. The Bible says when he gave up his spirit, when he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Giving us access to God Almighty. Before that, only the high priest could go in one one time a year. And he had to have all these sac- blood sacrifice. They would put blood all over him from these sacrifice. And if he still had secret sin, he would die in the presence of God. That's why they had a rope tied on his ankle. And they had bells on his garment. So if they stopped hearing the bells ringing, they would just pull out his corpse. But see, Jesus took care of that. The final sacrifice. So you and I had direct access. We have direct access to the, to the Father. Amen? That's peace but see what I tripped on there wasn't one animal provided but two a female donkey and her colt see did you notice that it was the colt that Jesus rode on it had never been ridden see it was a symbol of not only peace but purity and innocence and see remember Jesus never sinned that's why he couldn't ride a donkey somebody else rode on it would defile him but why did he bring the colt's mother did you ever think about that why didn't, why didn't you just get the baby, you know, the baby colt? Why do you got to bring the mom? Well, I believe he was showing mercy. Because he was so kind, he wouldn't bring the colt without his mother. Because he didn't want to hurt the mother by taking the baby away. See, our Savior in his first entry to the city was merciful and Gracious. Even to the animals he had. How much more is he going to pour out his grace on you and I? How much more? See, sometimes we get into debate about, you know, we, we, we look at God like our earthly father sometimes. And we think God's like this and God's like, no, God is graceful. <laughs> He's graceful. You know, we try to earn our way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. That's why Jesus died on the cross. It was a sacrifice. See, we we, we spend our whole time trying not to sin. Oh, if I sin, if I sin, if I sin, and we get dogmatic. This is sin, and that is sin. Oh, you can't watch this. You can't watch that. Everything's you can do anything, but not everything's beneficial. But again, it's not the sin that sends you to hell your disobedience that's God's grace they had 600 and something laws in the Old Testament and we couldn't even keep 10 commandments that's why we needed Christ number three let's look at the celebration at his entry verse 8 and 9 and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the ground Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, when the disciples laid their clothes on the colt for the Lord to sit on, they were doing what was right for a king. See, they would use an embroidered blanket to decorate the animal a king would ride on. But since they didn't have that, They used their cloaks instead. They were also told that a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road before the the Lord. Verse 8. It was a symbol of their own submission to him as a king. What are we laying down in submission to the king? What are we laying down? See, sometimes we don't want to lay anything down. We don't want to sacrifice anything. But he made the ultimate sacrifice for you and I, but we're not laying down anything for him. We just want to do our thing. and We'll we'll do our time in church. We'll come on Sunday. Maybe we'll come on Thursday. Maybe we'll go to a life group. Maybe, if I got time. But I'm not going to give. I'm going to give like a dollar. Here, take it, Lord. I'm not trying to get your money. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to teach you how to sacrifice. Lay it down before God. What about your life? What about your life? He gave it to you. Without him, you'd be dead or in prison or something. Turn a trick somewhere. Beep. I knew it would happen. But it's true. That's the people we were before. And if we don't learn to sacrifice to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we can go back to that lifestyle real easy. Because that's our old nature. That old nature keeps trying to come back and come back and come back. But the more we learn to sacrifice for Jesus, that flesh becomes less and less and less. And he becomes more within our life. What are you laying down for God? What are you willing to sacrifice for the King of kings? See, we're told that others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on a road. See, John in his gospel tells us were, these were branches of palm trees. In scripture, palm, tree, palm branches are symbols of joy and victory for the people of God. That's when you live a life of submission to God. You live a life of joy and victory. Are you guys hearing this? Listen, when we get to heaven... We're worshiping. We're going to be worshiping Jesus, clothed in white garments, white robes. Guess what's in our hand? Palm branches. There's going to be palm branches in our hands. That's what the Bible says. Look at Revelation seven nine. Write it down and look at it later. See, that's the way we should celebrate Him. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, when we got the palm branch, that shows joy and victory. We won the battle. You need to slap the devil with a palm branch. He comes around, hit him with a palm branch. I'm not talking about a real palm branch. I mean, if you want to do that. But I'm talking about in the spirit. Show the devil your joy. Show the devil your victory. Show him that you learned how to lay down and sacrifice for the king of kings. He ain't got no authority in your life. He's not your daddy. Who's your daddy? Abba Father, he's your daddy. Amen? See, we're told the multitude was falling in front of him and behind him. And look what the people said. Hosanna, which means adoration, praise, and joy. Then they shouted Hosanna to the son of David. They were relating him as the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for. So the beginning of the week started good. They knew, oh, this is Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. See, when it comes to you and I, knowing what he has accomplished for you and I on the cross, how much more should we celebrate him? We should celebrate him every single day. We should submit to him as our Savior every single day. See, the last one is the reaction to his entry, number four, verse 10. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. We're told that when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. But that translation in the Greek is not strong enough. It's not strong enough. The word itself means this. The whole city was shaken and put into commotion. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes, things start shaking. When, he don't just come quietly. When Jesus comes, he makes noise. See, that should be how, what happens when we come. Because Jesus is in us, in you and I. When we go somewhere, there should be a shaking. The devil should be trembling. Because we got the power of Almighty God, the resurrection power within our lives. We should cause a commotion. You can dance like Vince. Come on now, Vince. Yeah, you can do that. You can dance any way God created you to dance. But all you got to do is speak the name of God, Jesus Christ, and you begin to move in power. Let me tell you something. There should be shaking going on. The whole city. Imagine this great crowd marching into the city, shouting and celebrating, singing hosannas to the Lord. It caused an uproar. It caused an uproar. See, we're told that people of the city were saying, Who is this? Not everybody was singing. Not everybody was singing. Matthew goes on to tell us a few verses later that the chief priests were furious with Jesus. See, sometimes religious folk don't like Jesus around because they want to keep Jesus in their own little box. This is how Jesus moves, right here. He doesn't move over there. He moves right here. Nah, my God is not bound by space or time. My God can do anything He wants to do, whenever He wants to do it. So sometimes when when God begins to move, the religious folk go, oh, what's this? What's going on here? They don't get it. They don't understand. God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, however He wants. He's God. He doesn't have a... Oh, I do this this way and this that way. Oh, you gotta <clears throat> whatever you gotta do. No. He shakes things up. That's how it should be for you and I. Not everybody's gonna be happy you're praising Jesus. Some people in your family are gonna persecute you. Your friends are gonna persecute you. They're not gonna get it. They're not gonna understand. Why do you spend so much time in church? Why do you always give your finances? <laughs> Shut up. I do it because I love Jesus. Jesus saved my life. Without Christ, I'm nothing. It's all about him, not about me. And it's not about you. Sometimes you've got to make tough decisions with people within your life. You've got to cut the ones that are going to hold you back. It's not about them. They need to see you make it. Because when they see you make it, they're going to go, oh, I see a change. I see something happen right here. I need to fall. I want what they got. They might persecute you now, but you pray for them and things are going to shift. There's going to be a generational shift within their life because that's how God works. He uses insignificant people to make a change. That's what he does. Amen? Amen? See, they demanded of him that he tell them by whose authority he was doing the things he did. But you have to admit, whenever Jesus makes an entry, he stirs things up. When he made an entry in your life, he stirred you up. Man, you want to tell everybody. You remember? I mean, if you had a real experience with God, you want to tell everybody. And sometimes you don't tell them right. Sometimes you begin to be a Pharisee. <laughs> oh, that's sin, and this is all you're all in sin. Shut up. Let the Holy Spirit move in their life. Go to Veti and learn. Go to Veti and grow. Understand who God is. That's for your plug. Okay, we'll plug Fresh Start, too. Go to Fresh Start, Amen. See, when you live a life sold out, you're going to stir things up. Yeah. You know, we sing that song, I want to live a life, tonight. I can't sing, so I'm not going to do it. But that's, that's her job. But we sing songs like that, but are we really believing it? Are we sold out? Are we loyal? Are we loyal to the heavenly calling that God has given us? I believe we are, most of us. Sometimes we slack off a little. That's why why we have the cross. Because God knows us. He knows us. You don't expect us to be perfect. Because if he expected that, we wouldn't be here. If he expected that, he would have never came on the cross. For the cross. See, the multitudes that followed said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. He comes in humility, but he comes to put people in a place of decision. He always does. Whenever Christ comes, he wants to put you in a place of decision because there's certain decisions you need to make in your life. That's the culmination of everything I just said. You've got to make a decision. You can't encounter him without making a decision. It doesn't work that way. Because he came to die on the cross for the sins of mankind The choice we make at that first entry is going to determine our eternal destiny forever. So let's learn from this story that we just looked at. See, Jesus was promised by God. He was prepared in advance for our salvation. You know, we see guys walking around with that tattoo, born to die. No, only he was. Only he was. Could you imagine, at 12 years old, going into the temple? And the Bible says he started to read from the prophets, Isaiah, I believe. And he began to see how he dies. He began to see what he had to suffer for you and I. And he did it anyway. Could you imagine if 12 years old having to receive that? But he did. And then he began to preach and they were marveled at the wisdom from this young man. Knowing you're going to die. warrant to die. He calls us to a place of decision. His whole life led up to this week. He came meek and lowly, not as a judge, but as our saviour. He took the sins on himself. And for the first time in forever, his father turned his face. Could you imagine how he felt? He knew that was going to happen too. He never had, he always had contact with his daddy. But when he took all our sin, his father turned away for a second. He must have felt alone. Why have thou forsaken me? Don't take it lightly, people. Don't take it lightly. But we need to celebrate it. See, the rider on the white horse is wearing a crown, not a helmet. If you ask any good warrior, any good soldier, what's the first thing you wear, they're going to tell you a helmet. But he's not wearing a helmet. Why? Because victory's a sure thing. The battle's already won. It's won for you and I. That was the whole purpose of the cross. That's the resurrection power. Whatever battle you're in, whatever you're fighting with, you already won. Just know that. So don't give the devil a toehold. And say, oh, I can't. Yes, you can. Everything we go through in life, no matter what it is, is for a growing experience. Because I I found in the last 25 years that I've been serving God in ministry that my trials sometimes get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I believe the reason is because when I suffer here, I learn how to handle that one. Then I need a challenge. So I get another one. It's a little bigger. I handle that one. Then God says, okay, here's another challenge. Boom. And another one, and another one. And all these challenges create the the person that God created you to be. So when you get ready to go to heaven, you take people with you. Because all the stuff you go through, God wants to use it not for you, for others. That's why you go through stuff. When I see your Facebook post, start putting victory in there. I went through this, but Jesus took me out. I'm going through something here, but I know Jesus got my back. Start putting Jesus in your post. Give him the victory. He's giving you the victory. It's a sure thing. See, the Jews missed the Messiah the first time because they were not looking for him. They were not looking. If you're not looking for the second coming, you might miss him. You might miss him. He's coming back. The Bible tells me so. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Let your Lord, Lord, be accompanied by obedience let it be accompanied by obedience so it's a decision time for you and I we can encounter him without coming to a decision you either put your trust in his sacrifice on the cross or you reject him that's the only choices there's only two you can't say well maybe later there might not be a later there might not be a later What's your choice? Only two. Accept the sacrifice that he did on the cross for you and I. In obedience. He'll take away your sin. It's a done deal. We already have the victory there. Or you reject him. It's up to you. I can't choose for you. If I could choose for you, you'd all be saved. You'd all be serving God. There's some of you that have been saved. You kind of shrink back. You lost your obedience factor. You got comfortable. Your little job, your little house, your little this, a little that. What about him? What about him? Let's all stand. I want to open up the altars. If God has spoken to your heart, I'm not going to point you out of this one, this one. No. If God has spoken to